Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. Good morning, family. It's so good to be with you today. I am so excited because our women were away this weekend at a retreat in Hilton Head. How many of you were there? Woo! We had an amazing time. God met us in such a powerful way. And I've already heard testimonies of women who said everything changed for me this weekend. And just how much God had done in their life. And so I'm so excited. God brought a brand new friend to our family. And I get to introduce her today. She was our speaker for the retreat. She comes from Rockford, Illinois, so she was happy to come to the warm south. Um, And so we were thrilled to get to meet her. But her name is Jen DeWert. I've been calling her DeWert, but I found out it's actually DeWert, right? Okay. (laughs) Okay. It's very Dutch. So, yes. But I'll let her introduce herself and her family more. But just welcome Miss Jen here. We have been so blessed by her, and I get to share her with all of you today. How are we all doing this morning? Okay, okay, guys. You're the early bird people, okay? So I need some energy from you, okay? So I'm going to ask you that one more time, and I want to hear, like, really how excited you are to be here in church this morning. How are we doing today, church? Oh, there we are. Good morning, good morning. Well, I am so excited to be here with you. And like Jeannie said, I had the honor to be at the women's retreat this weekend. We had a great time, and I am so privileged to be able to share uh, the word with you this morning. But before I dive into that, I want to take a really quick second and just say a huge thank you to Pastor Larry and Jeannie for having me today. And I want to take a second really quick because, see, I'm, I'm a local church girl. My husband and I are the lead pastors at a church called City First Church in Rockford, Illinois, and it is actually, we have this crazy story that we're actually the pastors at the church that we grew up in. So I've been at the church that I'm currently pastoring in since I was two years old, okay? So like 20 years, just kidding. So way longer than that, Um, and it was really neat. As Jeannie was sharing your story, your church story with me, um, why we were, you know, we had lots of time to talk, I was so blown away um, at your pastor's story and that he has been here at this church for 33 years. Now, okay, you can hand clap for that. And I love him and Jeannie's story. It's a beautiful, amazing story. But can I tell you something? As a pastor of a church, there is something so special. And I today, I just want to remind you, church, I know you probably don't need to be reminded, but I just want to remind you, and I promise this is not a paid advertisement, okay? I just want to remind you of the amazing gift that you have in your pastor. Because longevity is not all the times normal, and something great happens when you have an amazing pastor who is honestly willing to stick it out. And not only that, but he is raising a younger generation of leaders underneath him. You have an amazing gift in your pastor church. So can you honor your pastors today? Come on, you can do better than that.
You know, I know he would stand up here, and I'm probably going to get reprimanded. He didn't know I was going to do that when we're done, but um, (laughs) I'm going to be in trouble. But um, I just know this. He would say, no, 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 all glory goes to God, and I know he'll say that, and we all believe that, right? But the Bible is very clear. It says to give honor to whom honor is due. And so as a local church girl and a lead pastor myself, I just want to take a second and honor your leader. Um, Well, like I said, my name is Jen DeWert. My husband and I pastor, co-pastor a church up in Rockford, Illinois, where it is freezing cold right now, okay? Um, And so I was really glad, like Jeannie said, to come down here. But I want to show you my family really quick. I have a picture of them. Voila! There they are. Okay, so I have three amazing boys and a husband. That's my husband, Jeremy, in the center there. We've been married. It will be 22 years or 23 years this year. So that's pretty amazing. We have three amazing boys. Thank you. All three of you are really glad I've been married 23 years. This is our oldest son here, the really blonde guy on your, your, I don't know, your right, your left, my right, your left. And his name's Caden. He's 18 years old. He is an amazing young man, senior in high school, so please pray for me. He's accepted to go to college, like 1,000 miles away from home, so I'm going to need some prayer. Okay, and then this is Connor right here on the other side. He is getting his license this week. So I'm telling you, just add me to your prayer list on lots of different levels. You have no idea the kind of driver he is. And then in the center, right there, bringing up the rear, 10 years between number two and number three is Paxton Dewart, our amazing little boy, who, as you can maybe see from the picture, uh, was born with Down syndrome, and he has been the greatest gift to our life. And so um, God uses... God uses the unexpected things sometimes to bring you the greatest blessings. And we are in this series, you guys are in this series called Greater Things. And today, I want to talk about this subject of greater things from maybe a little different aspect than what you might have thought when you were driving to church today. I want to talk about how sometimes greater things come from the not-so-great things. How many of you know that? Sometimes the greater things come from the not-so-great things. But before we dive into the scripture, let me say a quick prayer for us and dedicate this time. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this amazing church. God, we give you these next few moments that we have. I pray, God, that you would speak to us. God, we choose in this moment to not have church as usual. God, we choose today to kind of get to the edge of our seat and lean into what you have for us, God. Because each and every time that we gather, you have something for us. There isn't a time that you don't have something for us. And so we choose today to lean in with fresh, fresh ears and fresh eyes and an open heart for what you have for us in these moments. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you again, like I said, greater things from, come from the not so great. I'm going to talk to you today about a story found in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 through 20, okay? So this week, I encourage you to read that story. 1 Samuel chapter, chapter 30, verses 1 through 20. And it's a story about a man named David. Now, if you grew up in church, you probably know who David is, but maybe you might be new around here, okay? Even Pastor Larry greeted the guests. If you're new around here, uh, David... Uh, David was a man in the Old Testament, and he was a extremely very powerful and good king in the Old Testament, and one of the most prominent characters in the Bible. He was a man after God's own heart, and even if you didn't grow up in church, you might have heard this little story called David and Goliath, okay? That is what he is famous for. So uh, we're going to dive in. 
uh, verses one through four to start off with, okay? I have a little bit of reading today, so I want you to hang with me because this is honestly one of my most favorite stories in the Bible. It says this, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites, these were the bad guys, okay, had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but they carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters taken captives. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. This is what I want to point out to us today. David was a man after God's own heart, okay? He had been in, right here, he, he was anointed to be king. He wasn't king quite yet, but he was anointed to be king. He, um, he had favor from God. He was an amazing man. He loved God so deeply, yet here he is, and calamity has come upon his family. And the families of all have his men, 600 of them, okay? So David encountered, even though he loved God, even though he was, had a favor of God, he encountered a desperate time. There was disappointment, there was difficulty, there was dismay. And in an honest moment today, I just want to remind us that there will be times, even as Christ followers, even though we love Jesus, even though sometimes we feel like, yes, we walk in the favor of God, even though we've dedicated our lives to him, there will be times where we have difficult times. We have difficult times. There's bad times. There's disappointing times. There's hurtful times. There's confusing times. But just because we love God doesn't mean there won't be times where we throw up our hands and say, what is going on? I'm sure David had that moment. What is going on? What is going on? Here he's just coming back into the camp and all of a sudden he sees it's burned to the ground and everybody's gone. Everybody is gone. I really want us to just let the weight of the story sink in for a second, because this is kind of the, the way reading the Bible works. This story takes place within 20 verses, okay? And we just kind of read through, and we go, oh, this is real, that's a good story. No, 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 I want you to hear the weight of this story. Sorry, I just got loud. I want you to hear the weight of this story. You know, I mean, we kind of just read through it, but I want you to, I mean, can you imagine the desperate heart cry that David had here and all of his men. This was not good. He had no idea if his wives and his kids were still alive. No idea. He had no idea what had happened to them. They didn't know, he didn't know if they'd been hurt, if they'd been abused, if they were okay. He had no idea. So he is having this, his world is ravaged. You know, some of us have small instances of dismay and others of us in this room, well, you can relate to David and his men weeping aloud. Because in this room, this is what I know. There are people who have walked in here. And maybe you have small little instances in your life where you're like, I'm disappointed, I'm confused, I'm struggling right now, maybe I'm feeling insecure, or I have doubt, I have fear. Okay, and I'm not diminishing those. Those are, those are real things, okay? But then there's some of you, and I know this, because in a crowd this size, there are always stories. We all have a story. And some of us have big things. Maybe you have a child that's struggling with addiction. Maybe you've walked through a divorce in the last year and you are just struggling to keep your head, of, your head above water. Maybe you faced recently the death of a loved one. Maybe you're going through a physical issue that you're just going, what is going on? 
I know a lot of us might then be asking ourselves in the middle of our heavy, weighty, just world-ravaged situations, how could greater things ever come out of this? How could greater things ever come out of this? Well, let's keep reading and see what happens. It says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Awesome. Okay, so now not only has he lost everything, but now everybody who should be his friends is like, it's all his fault. (laughs) And so we're just going to stone him. So each of them was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But listen to this line, church. But David found strength in the Lord his God. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Not only had David lost everything, but now the men were wanting to stone him, right? In the difficult times, church, here's the deal. We can either have strife with God or we can find strength in God. We can either have strife with God or we can find strength in God. And you see two different, two different approaches right here in this story. The men became bitter. They were angry. They were like, we got to blame somebody for this. And then David, what did he do? He turned to God. He turned to God. I love how the King James Version says it. It's so beautiful. It says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. While everyone else is bitter, talking about storming their leader, wanting, you know, complaining, whining about their situation, David encourages himself. And I want to give you a word picture today of what encourage means. Okay, David encouraged himself in the Lord. That word encourage there in the original text means this, to fasten upon and to seize. To fasten upon and to seize. You know what I envision it as? David said, I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. You know what he decided to do? He's like, I don't care what this circumstances says. I don't matter. I don't care how I feel. I don't know how, I don't care how disappointed, dismayed, distraught I am. I choose to just wrap myself and tie myself to God. And I'm not going to give up. And I'm going to seize him. And I'm going to hang on for dear life. Because I completely understand that that is the best place I can possibly be in the middle of my disappointment and this difficult situation. And so I want you, I wish I had a rope up here, okay, and I could show you what it means. It'd be like tying yourself to God, and you're like, I don't care. It doesn't matter if I doubt right now. It doesn't matter what other people are saying. It doesn't matter if everybody around me is complaining. I am going to tie myself to God, and I'm going to seize him, and I'm not going to let go. And you know what I love else about that part of the scripture? It says he encouraged himself. Oftentimes, we as followers, were like, well, I can't wait to get to church because I can't wait for the pastor to encourage me. You know, or why doesn't that person say something to me? Why doesn't that person say that encouraging thing to me? And you know what David did? He didn't wait for somebody else to come to him. He took initiative and he said, I don't care what's going on. I'm going to actually strap myself to God and I'm going to encourage myself. I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord because he is the one who is my source. He is the one who is my source. David took initiative. He didn't wait for somebody else to do it. And he says, no matter what has taken place, even in my lowest, I will fasten myself to God. Church, I want to encourage you today. No matter what you're walking through, big or small, can we be a body of believers who say, you know what, no matter what is happening, no matter what people are saying around me, I am going to strap myself to God and I'm not going to let go. 
I'm not going to let go. So how do we do this practically? Because you would, if you hung around me for any bit of time, you would learn that I'm a very practical person. I want us to have how-tos on how to do this. So how do we do this as believers? Okay, how do we say strap to God? How do we encourage ourselves? First of all, you got to be on God, in God's word on a daily basis. Got to be in God's word on a daily basis. Next thing is this. You know what? We have Pastor Kenya is up here leading you in some amazing worship. Hello, I wish I could sing like him. You do not want me leading worship up here. It would not be that amazing. But what we need to do, we don't have to, you know, you don't have to just worship in church. Wow. You can worship in your car. Or you can worship in your house. You can worship in the bathtub. You can worship in the shower. I actually sound pretty good in the shower. You can worship anywhere. Do you know that you have access to God anytime? You can worship him anytime. And when we worship, things start to change. It shifts us. Um, you can listen to teachings. You can hop online to the website, faithishere.org, and be like, okay, I need more right now. I need more. Okay, I need to encourage myself. So I'm going to listen to teachings. I'm going to pour into myself. I'm going to take the initiative, and I am going to encourage myself. And the last thing you can do is this, and I know pastor's going to say amen to this, be planted in this house. Be planted in this house. Be consistent. Be here because something happens, okay? You do get encouraged when you come into the body of Christ. You, you heard Jordan say it on the video. It's not just the sermon. It's not just the building. It's the people. It's the people that encourage you. And so those are some practical things you can do to encourage yourself in the Lord. So in this story, what happens next? David's upset, obviously. It says, David inquires of God. If he should go and pursue the Amalekites. So in scripture you see it. He goes and he has, in his time of encouraging himself, he asks God, should I go and pursue the bad guys? And God says, yes, and you will overtake them. And so David and his men head out. They head on out. And we carry on in verses 9 through 12. It says, David and the 600 men with him came to the Basor Valley, where some stayed behind. 200 of them were too exhausted to cross the valley. But David and the other 400 continued the pursuit. They found an Egyptian in a field and brought him to David. They gave him water to drink and food to eat, part of a cake of pressed figs and two cakes of raisins. He ate and was revived, for he had not eaten any food or drunk any water for three days and three nights. And I know what you're thinking. That's a great story, Jen. What does that have to do with anything? I'm telling you what, there is some profound stuff in these next few verses and this next part of the story. Here's David, right? He just lost his family. He's pursuing the people who have taken everything he has. He is on mission. Wouldn't you be on mission? I would be on mission. I'd be like, get out of my way. Mama bear has arisen. Mama Bear, is she's going. And if I saw somebody struggling on the side of the road, you can guarantee I would not be stopping. I would be like, I'm on a mission. I'm going to go have my vengeance. But what does David do? He actually pauses. His men find this Egyptian, right? Okay, they find this Egyptian in the field, and they, they said it was half dead. Okay, he's half dead. And what does David do? In the middle of his, I'm going to go and I'm going to take somebody out. I'm on mission. The men are frantic to go find these people who have taken everything of theirs. He pauses for a man who is half dead in a field. Wow. He and these 600 men are frantic to track down these bad guys, yet they stopped to help someone. Remember this too, okay, can remember this, if you remember this from the first part of the story, that this camp at Ziklag had been burned to the ground and had been raided, and so they probably didn't have much food or supplies. Yet, David gives, what does he give? 
part of a cake of pressed figs and two cakes of raisin. David gave what little he had to someone he did not have time for. This is the beauty of this story. And guess what it says? And the man was revived. The man was revived. Listen, church, David's response in great loss and discouragement was to help someone else and to be generous with the little that he had. Sometimes, in our darkest times, my response, our response, is not to be generous. It's not to give away. You know what a lot of times our response is? And can I just say this is my response? It's for me to like kind of shrink back in self-pity. It's to look past the needs of others because I have a right to kind of be in my own little world. It's to turn inward. It's to hang tightly to what we have because maybe we've experienced great loss ourselves. But if we will begin to overcome discouragement by giving away the very thing we need, we will see a key to our breakthrough. We will see a key to the greater things. Let's give away the very thing we need. Do you need love in this place today? Then give love. Do you need hope today? Then be somebody's hope. Do you need a friend? then be a friend. Do you need resource? Then give resource. Do you need a smile? Then give a smile. Do you need kindness? Then give kindness. Can we learn that even in the middle of our destitute situations, that we can give away the very thing that we need? It says the man was revived. Let's be a part of reviving those around us even when, even when, We are in our own desperate situations. Because let's look what happens next. Verses 13 through 15. It says, David asked the man whom they had helped, who do you belong to? Where do you come from? He said, I am an Egyptian, the slave of a Malachite. My master abandoned me when I became ill three days ago. We raided the Negev of the Carathites, some territory belonging to Judah, and the Negev of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag. David asked him. So did you see what happens here? David helps somebody that he doesn't have time for, gives him what he doesn't have. And then he asks him, what's your story? And he's like, oh, I was with these people, the Amalekites, the bad guys, okay? And then he says, and we burned Ziklag. I mean, David's ears perk up, right? Oh, okay. All right, David asked him, well, do you think you can lead me down to this raiding party? Uh, <laughs> yes. Well, 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 David's ears perk up. The guy was with the Amalekites who burned down his camp. Listen, when David decided to pause and reach out in the middle of his own brokenness, he was actually accessing part of the solution to that brokenness. That is so beautiful. Do you realize? David had no idea. David had no idea when he was giving the figs and the raisins to this man that that man actually held the secret to exactly where he was heading to fulfill God's promise of overcoming the Amalekites. When we give away what we do not have, it is a part of our greater things to come. Maybe, just maybe, part of the solution to your discouragement, to your disappointment, to your dismay, is going to be when you look outside of your own struggle to help someone else. Choosing to find purpose in the middle of your own junk. So what happens next? And if the worship team or just keys could begin to come and play underneath me. It says, he led David down and there they were 
the Amalekites. Scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking, and reveling because of the great amount of plunder that they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. David fought them from dusk until the evening of the next day. And listen, and none of them got away except for 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. I don't understand that part of the scripture. I was like, none of them got away except for 400 people on camels. Okay. Then it says, David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. I'll let Pastor Larry talk about that at some point. The two wives. I'll leave that to him. Nothing was missing. Young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and herds and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock saying, this is David's plunder. So David recovers all of his precious belongings. Nothing of his was missing. But listen, church, but in addition to his own belongings retrieved from the Amalekites, he now had the great amount of plunder that the Amalekites had taken from the Philistines. He had more. Because of the rough time, the disappointing time, the distraught time that he had walked through because he had paused to give away what he didn't have and help revive someone else, which gave him the key to what was going to lead him to get the more that he didn't even know he was going to get because of what he had walked through. When we go through difficult times, discouraging, disappointing times, And we choose to do this. We encourage ourselves in the Lord. Remember, we hang tight to God. No matter what. doesn't matter what people are saying. It doesn't matter that everybody around you is complaining and dropping like flies. They're leaving you. You say, I choose to encourage myself in the Lord. To seize him. To not let go. And then when you choose to live a life of purpose and revive others with things that you might not have. And you might be thinking, but it's just, listen, do you understand? David didn't prepare the man a huge feast. He gave him figs and raisins. Some of you might be thinking, Jen, all I have to give is figs and raisins. That's all God asks you to give. Doesn't ask you to give the world. He asks you to give what little you have. He just asks you to like help somebody. He asks you to revive somebody else. He asks you to encourage somebody when you need encouragement. He asks you to love somebody when you feel like you need love. He asks you to give hope when you need hope. It might be as simple as a word or as simple as a prayer. But it makes a difference. If we will do those things, encourage ourselves, and choose to revive others, then we will find that we have, what's our theme this year? Greater things. On the backside of our troubling times, and we will have far more. Do you realize there is, there can possibly be far more on the backside of your struggle than you ever had on the front side when you choose to encourage yourself and you choose to revive others in the middle of your story. God has greater things for you. This is a beautiful lesson from David. A beautiful lesson from David. Because of that struggle, that trial, you will actually have, church, greater faith. You will have greater perspective. You will have greater wisdom. You will have greater insight. 
You will have greater influence. You will do greater things. You might be in a spot right now where you feel like greater things seems far away because you are in the middle of something that you're just like, it's too big. No way God can make greater things out of this. If you will do those two things, encourage yourself and revive others in the middle of your own brokenness, you will see eventually that God will bring greater things. He will bring greater things. I've seen it time and time again in my own life. Even with my son Paxton. Paxton was born with Down syndrome. I can honestly say that probably wouldn't have been my first choice of journey in my life. I wouldn't have been like, yes, let me pick, let me pick the, the, the journey that has a child with special needs. He's six years old now. He's the most beautiful gift, but there are struggles. He's basically nonverbal, and he can be a real stinker sometimes. But you know, when Paxton was born, we choose to say, God, this is your, this is your story. This is your story. And we choose to trust you in the middle of it. And then you know what happened? We actually found out that there's a whole community of people in our surrounding area who have kids with special needs who can't go to church on a Sunday morning. And so what do we decide to do? We decided to revive some others. So we started this thing called Champions Club at our church. And now we minister to over 100 families with kids with special needs on a weekly basis. And can I tell you, none of that would have happened without packs, without that struggle, without maybe that disappointment, that dismay, that discouragement at first. But the more we chose to do those two things, strap ourselves to God, not letting go. I don't understand it. I don't get it. This wasn't a part of the plan. But, and then say, We're going to choose to help other people and love other people in the middle of our own hurt. God will, you guys, he will bring greater things to your story. He will bring greater things. Because it's just like God, right? To turn all things that the enemy meant for evil and turn them into good. Amen. Let me just take a moment and pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for each person who's sitting in this room. God, you know each story. You know each life. They may be sitting in a room with hundreds of people right now, God, but you know them personally. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you in your own power, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would minister to each person today. God, I pray for those that need to be reminded to encourage themselves to kind of make sure that they hang on to God with everything they got inside of them, that you would do that today. And I pray that those of us who maybe this is the first we're hearing to actually help revive other people in the middle of our own brokenness, that you would, you would um, give us the courage and the strength to do that. Open our eyes today, God, that there is an entire hurting world. God, people out there who are walking through some of the same things we are, but they don't have a Savior named Jesus Christ to walk them through it. So may we be a part of reviving those who are around us, even in the middle of our brokenness. We truly choose today to trust the God who is going to do 
greater things in us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org.